is God. And of course, it was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and you know, just as we were worshiping, what was showing me, he said, the Holy Spirit, right, is what we can touch. See, God the Father, he's up in heaven, and Jesus, he came down in his body, right? But then his body went back up to earth, and what was left for us here on earth was his spirit. The Holy Spirit was left. And so most of us, we just, we just grab hold of God, but we don't crack in. We don't go in deep with the Holy Spirit to realize that as we go in deep with the Holy Spirit, that's when our first experience of Jesus starts to come out, right? And then as we go deeper, then we can have a relationship with the Father, because that's what Jesus came to give us. So we had been looking at that. We looked at the end of Matthew when Jesus was about to ascend and how he said to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God is not three gods. He's one God with three different parts and three different ways he relates to us. And this is how Jesus, while he was on, here on earth, kept explaining who God was to us. All right? So if you missed the first few lessons in this, they're on YouTube now. You can also go back on Facebook Live and watch them there. If you have an iPhone, you can go on the podcast, look for Great Lakes Dream Center, you can listen to those. So those are some different ways you can do that. But today I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper about what the Holy Spirit is and how it was introduced to us. We actually see back in the book of Joel, he's a prophet, that the Holy Spirit was promised. This was something that was promised to us as the Messiah would come and would release God's presence for us. And we see it here in Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 28. And he was talking about the end days, right? And he says, And afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. It goes on, but in verse 32 it says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we know from that, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, that this was talking about the days after Jesus came, right? That when Jesus would come, we'll now be able to call on Jesus, we'll be saved from our sins, but with that, we will also have his Holy Spirit will be able to be on us, okay? So we see that prophesied there. We see that Jesus, that one of his first things that he experienced as he began his public ministry when he was baptized by John was the Holy Spirit falling on him. We see that in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 16, and it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased." I love this. So you have the Father referring to his Son and sending his Holy Spirit down to pour over him. Right? You see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this account. If you read, like in the book of John, um, John the Baptist is, is quoted there. and he, he gives this account of what he saw and experienced that he verifies that, yes, the Holy Spirit came down, and we heard this voice. And so we see that it was promised Jesus experienced it. And then we see that Jesus begins to explain to his disciples in John chapters 14, 15, and 16 about the fact that he was going to have to go, that we will now be able to pray to the Father directly in the name of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would fall upon us. Okay, So we see that explained in the book of John. I, I've been encouraging you this whole month. Read the book of John if you haven't yet. Read through that. 
um, passage. It's just wonderful to kind of see his last uh, instructions to all the disciples right before he's going to go to the cross. And when he comes back from the cross, we see him in Luke chapter 24. He had been on the road um, walking with some of the disciples that were all frustrated. It's called on the road to Emmaus, and they're frustrated, and they're like, they're like, he died, we don't get it, now we can't find him, and what's going on, and we thought he was the Messiah. And so he begins to explain to them. He goes through the Old Testament, and he shows them all these different things, and their eyes are open, they realize it's Christ. And so he comes to a group of people here, and it's in Luke chapter 24, and it starts in verse 36. It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now remember, he's died, was buried, and then all of a sudden they go look in the tomb to embalm him. A couple days later, he's gone, and now he's beginning to appear to them. It says, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. They thought, okay, well, it's just his ghost, right? He's dead. We don't know where his body is, but he's, he's, he's a ghost. So he's trying to prove to them, I'm a flesh body, like my flesh body rose again because I'm God, right? So it says, he says to them, why are you so troubled? Why do you doubt why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is myself. Touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet where the nail holes were. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. He was trying to show them, like, look, a ghost doesn't eat something, right? Like, I'm, I'm flesh. I'm. And then he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, look, because of this, it's going to be preached in all nations. But I have to first send you what was promised to you, the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So he's saying, before you can go into all the nations, before you can do this, you need my power, the power of God to be able to go and do this. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They stayed continually at the temple praising God. What's really cool is in one of the letters that I think it was like Peter or John was writing, they talked about this moment when, when he went and he rose up into heaven and said there was over 500 witnesses and they listed a bunch of the names of the people that lived in that town where they were sending the letter that were there. Isn't that so cool to be able to say like, hey, remember Joe? Joe was there. Go talk to Joe. He'll tell you about it. You know, it's like, you think like, oh, I'd love to live in that time, but I like my dishwasher and I like my chocolate, so I'm not sure how great I want to live in that time, but... But anyhow, God knows. He put me in this time for a purpose. So. All right, so we see it, it, we see it foretold in the Old Testament. We see Jesus experiencing it. We see him explaining it. 
we see him, you know, telling them right at the end, look, 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 now we have salvation because what I did on the cross, I had to die, I had to raise, be rose again. I'm going to go, you're going to proclaim the gospel, and then my, but wait until my power that Father had promised you falls on you before you go and start to do this ministry, okay? So did it end there? No, it fell. And a lot of times we don't actually read about this. So I know we've spent a lot of time with the egg and we don't have much time. So I wanted to kind of quickly go through all the explanation as to why we're going to get here to the part of the book of Acts. Now we're going to stay here for a minute. So if you do have your Bibles, go ahead to Acts chapter 2 because we're going to stay here in Acts chapter 2 for a little bit. Okay. So here they are. They're waiting. They've been waiting in Jerusalem for this power, he says, they're going to have and some sort of gift from the Father. Okay, so it starts here in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house while they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other languages, other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under the heaven. Now, why was that? Because it was Pentecost. Pentecost was one of the times that the Jewish people came to Jerusalem to celebrate a festival. So they've got all these visitors from all these different places in Jerusalem, okay? And it says, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked them, aren't these people from Galilee? Aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Galilee was kind of like a country area. They would, they, would, they would kind of poke fun at, like, the Galilean's accent, right? It'd be kind of like, you know, if you were here and you hear somebody with a southern Kentucky accent, and you're, like, at this UN nations, and they can speak 20 different languages, you'd be like, wow, like, I didn't know there's a big, you know, international population in Kentucky, right? You know, so they had a distinct accent. They knew what region they were from, and they were surprised by this. So they, they said, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't? all of these who are speaking Galileans, how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elements, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadonia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamelia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretes and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages, our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Isn't that what we do when we're scared? We're not sure. We just make fun. Well, that seems silly. What is that? Right? I told you all a few weeks ago, I was praying for somebody one time, and I got done, and they said, what were you speaking, French over me? And I said, no, I was speaking in heavenly language. Normally, I speak in English, but if there's a situation I'm not quite sure what's going on, I can speak in a heavenly language because the Holy Spirit that's in me knows what you need. 
And so the heavenly language can pray over you, and I'm talking to God directly, and the Spirit is saying this is what this person needs, and is speaking spiritually over that person. So the Galileans didn't know the language that these people needed, but they needed to have this outward sign. They needed to be able to hear their language, the praises of God, okay? So they made fun. They're like, oh, they've, they've drank too much wine. And what's really interesting is this Holy Spirit has now come upon all these disciples. There's about 120 in the room. And Peter, who is the one that had denied Christ three times and was so worried about being killed just like Christ was, had run away, now, because the Holy Spirit is over him, he's got this boldness. He knows what to do. He knows what to say. A lot of times people will say, well, Mary, I don't know what to say. Well, ask the Lord. I always ask God, you give me the words to say. The Holy Spirit's in me. I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to speak out. So now that the Holy Spirit's in Peter, Peter is now able to address a crowd, even though he's the one that has been in hiding, right? And he didn't want anybody to hurt him, so he denied Christ. So Peter stood up with the twelve, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. I love this, that they had been together praying and it wasn't even nine yet. Like, you think we could all get here at eight and start praying? I mean, that's kind of early, but these guys were, you know, they probably didn't stay up late watching Netflix, so they probably went to bed early, they were up early, so they all showed up to pray. I mean, come on, let's be real. How late? Some of you probably midnight, one o'clock, right? Okay, I know, I'm getting off topic here, but they were there early. It's not even nine in the morning. We're not drunk. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is, was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said this about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, and my body will also rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realms of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with your joy and your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here with us today. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, 
He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured it out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So that was what Peter wanted them to understand. That he was the Messiah, that he came, that he rose again. That the prophets foretold, not only would the Messiah come, but the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And what they were witnessing was the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit give you? Sometimes it gives you angels' language when you don't know what to pray. But sometimes the Holy Spirit gives you joy when you are sad. That's the fruits of the Spirit, right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit gives you peace in the midst of a storm. There have been times where I've been in the midst of a storm and all this chaos raging all around me. I remember one time being on the side of a freeway. There was a big construction zone. There was cars backed up everywhere. I've got five people in my van, and I've got smoke billowing all out. And I had peace. I used some wisdom, and I thought, oh, someone's going to come up behind us and rear-end us. Ladies, get out. Stand over here by this barricade, right? And I just said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, what we think was probably an angel because a guy in a military uniform, the only type of guy I would trust on the side of the freeway is a guy in a military uniform, pulls up and says, you guys need to follow me. You need to get off the road, follow me. So we all just piled back in. We followed him, got to a gas station. I thought, oh, good, he's going to look under the hood. No, he left. He's like, okay, you're in a safe place now, bye. He just took off and left. So I know that God got us there. But that was a gift from the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit giving me peace, giving us wisdom, letting, letting his power come in. Sometimes we associate well, being baptized in the Holy Spirit just with the speaking in tongues because that was how it was first shown to them. But that was a sign for those around them, for them to believe. The Holy Spirit is much more than that. Since the fruits of the Holy Spirit is joy, gentleness, kindness. I mean, most of us, I have friends that crave to be able to speak in tongues, but it's really they need to be craving kindness right? There's been years where I thought, oh, I, I can operate in this with the Holy Spirit and pray for people who heal, but I wasn't gentle with my own family at home, right? The Holy Spirit, we need all of the Holy Spirit, and most of the time, we just get hyper-focused on what we want. I just want my finances fixed, or I just want this relationship fixed, or I want this addiction gone, but really, if we pray to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, fill me entirely. Show me what I need, See, God is so great. We're made in his image. That's why we're so different. But the Holy Spirit is great too. And there's so much more to that power and receiving that than just one thing. He goes on, right? He says that when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now remember, these were people that about 50 days earlier had crucified Christ. And now, as they have it explained, and because for them, the evidence, the speaking in the other languages is what they needed for a sign in that moment, they believe that this really, what he just prophesied is true. And these are the same people that crucified Christ are now saying, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. 
With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message, who those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And one day, that message out there, from them seeing what was going on, 3,000 people accepted Christ and were baptized. Jesus, when he, he reads and talks about this helper coming, in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he's talking about him being a comfort to us, him being a guide to us. When you're like, I don't know what to do today, say, okay, Father God, show me, tell me. Holy Spirit, show me, guide me. You're acknowledging and you're asking for his help and so he can show you. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Holy Spirit fell on these people and their lives changed. And they now had this power. Most of us here in America, we, we've been raised in the church and we've had, you know, the Holy Spirit's in our country and it's, it's much different than, and, and some people say, oh, you know, I, I, let me stop for a minute. I have some friends that say, America's going to hell in a handbasket and all this stuff's going on, right? And it's so, we've seen our darkest days. And I'm standing over here going, I'm in the light. Why are you standing over there in the dark? I, 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 you know how you can see this glass half full or half empty? I'm thinking like, have you been to China? Have you seen the pastors that have had their homes destroyed that are in jail for years because they're trying to tell people about Jesus? I can go stand on every corner in America and scream, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, and somebody would do an article about it, and I have more people coming to hear me. There are dark places. But in America, if you really understand the history and the founders and the people that came, they were leaving, you know, religious oppression, you know, those that came on the Mayflower and different ones. And, and honestly, we have a solid foundation here. The Holy Spirit is here in our midst. Most of us, when we were baptized as babies, that's what our parents asked, was that Holy Spirit would fill us. We walk around and we think it's just our, our intuition, our gut. We don't, we don't realize that most of us were endowed with the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus over us when we were little because of a praying grandma or us sitting when we were five watching Billy Graham on somebody's uncle's TV and us saying, Jesus, I want you. We have been walking around in the light, and that is why America, like, globally gives the most to poor nations and gives and helps people that are in need. And, and we have a system where people receive food and receive help. You go, you go down to South America and you have nothing, you've got nothing. I've had friends that, that made their way to America and became citizens and they would tell you stories of utter depravity, of how you couldn't trust anybody. You start to talk to somebody and they'll come in there and rob you. Why? Because there's no Holy Spirit in their hearts. There's no, none of this goodwill. Yes, is there 
dark areas in America and darkness instilled in people's lives? And do some people choose to ignore that Holy Spirit whispering in their ear? Absolutely. But we live in a place where most of us have received it from little on. We didn't even realize that's what it is. God is guiding us. God is comforting us. And as your pastor, I want to remind you of that. Holy Spirit is in you. If you've called on the name of Jesus, if you've received Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. What they had fall upon them was the first time they had ever received it because it hadn't been released yet. But it's been released these last 2,000 years. And many of you have a goodness in God's power and God's comfort and God's help in your heart. Sometimes you fight against it. Some of you feel it and you don't like it. Like when there's in those moments or days where you really just want to fight and, and be upset and rage and be angry, there's always that in the back of your head, like, just forgive them, just love them, right? And our Holy Spirit's saying that, but our flesh is saying, no, they deserve to know how I feel. They blah, 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 right? And we go off, right? We go off and we decide to embrace our rage rather than to give in to the wisdom and the guidance and the love of the Holy Spirit. We all live conflicted. See, we have natural flesh bodies, but we also have a power from God. And in, in American society, we, we look and we say, we love superheroes. We talk about superheroes. We do these movies about Superman and, and uh, Captain America and the Hulk, and we, we try to explain away their backstory of why this person's special, why this person has a superpower. Uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Superwoman, Wonder Woman, right? We have all these things. And our body, we crave that. And here we are in our flesh body, and we're super because we've got God's power in us. So we call ourselves, it's supernatural, right? I've got a natural flesh body, but I've got the superpower from God. And that's what I war against. The superpower of the Holy Spirit of God in me that Jesus said, wait for the power from on high to come on upon you. It's on one side of my body and it's telling me to do this and I've got my natural flesh body saying, but go do this. And we war against these different parts of who we are because we will always have free will. We will always be here on earth in our natural flesh body. But I'm here to remind you that if we can crack through that shell that Holy Spirit, and allow God, Jesus, to flow through us and get to the heart of God, that Father part of our God, and we begin to embrace. And I believe it starts off with this knowledge. I want you to be aware that when the outcome is in front of you, and there's this part of you that's saying, just forgive them, just let it go, you know. Now, there's times where we need to have boundaries, and there's times where we see patterns versus problems, right? A problem is a one-time thing, and a lot of times we can have grace for that. A pattern is, but every Friday night, my husband, you know, gets drunk and he abuses me. Not my husband. I'm using this as an example, right? Then you see a pattern there, right? Then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I got to address this pattern. But if you have a one-time thing happen, a lot of times we want to fight. And our natural flesh wants to be angry, wants to do whatever, wants the person to change. And the supernatural part of us, that Holy Spirit part of us, wants us to walk in love. That's hard, folks. Most of us in relationship issues, we want to fix it. We want them to change. And God is asking us to love them. 
See, what we don't realize is when we give somebody unconditional love, a lot of times it causes change in their hearts. But we don't realize it. I mean, I've, I've talked to people that had coworkers. I had this coworker, and she was mean to me all the time, and she'd tell the boss on me if I was two minutes late, and blah, blah, blah. And I just was mean back to her. Okay? How did that go? Wow, it's awful. I hate my job. Everybody at my work hates me, and blah, blah, blah. She's got everything turned against me. And I'm like, okay. I hope you enjoy your life. Well, I'm coming to you for help. Well, you don't want to hear what I have to say. I can tell you right now. Well, just tell me. All right. Why don't you love her? Does she, what's, her favorite, what's her favorite kind of pop? Buy her a pop once in a while. Do this. Do that. Be genuine in your love for her. Pray for her. Oh, she's not going to receive it. She's going to do this and that. Okay. Well, then don't do what I'm telling you to do. Don't come to your pastor and say, what does the Bible say? And then you don't want to hear it. What do I need to do about my spouse, Mary? My spouse makes me so mad. Can you love them? Can you love them in flesh and in body and in soul and in spirit? Can you love them? Well, they don't deserve it. They're not giving me attention. They're rejecting me. I get that. But can you love them? God's word is very clear. You can't fix them. You can't get them to change. But I tell you, if you love them unconditionally and you fulfill the vows that you made, that in better or in worse, and it might be the worst right now, you still love them. You still make love to them. You still kiss them. You still, you know, get them their favorite chocolate bar on, on your way to the grocery store. You go out of your way to show them unconditional love. I tell you what, something's going to change. The first thing that changes is our attitude towards the people around us. But you can't do this in the natural. This has got to be supernatural. This has to be the Holy Spirit guiding you. And that's what the Holy Spirit is for. Before Christ came, before the Holy Spirit fell, people were not nice to each other. People killed each other. People stole from each other. People beat each other up. Uh, the men would just divorce their wives for no reason and just go in the flesh and go after somebody else. We need the Holy Spirit to be with us to help us be different. When people come from these countries that do not have Christian base, they come and they see how we take care of each other. They're surprised. That's not normal to them. Doesn't make sense to them. I had somebody come one time from a different country, and they were like, why did the neighbors wave at me? What do they want? They're trying to be friendly. They're trying to say, hey, hi, how are you doing? They're like, that's not normal. In my country, you don't talk, look at anybody. You don't talk to anybody. I remember talking to a cousin one time that lived in a communist-run country, and I looked at all the pictures. She was showing me pictures of different places she had been, and not one of them were smiling. And I said, why don't you guys smile? And like, in like her little passport picture, she just, everybody, and she's like, why would we smile? Folks, that's a place that does not have God, that doesn't have the Holy Spirit, because inside of us, when we receive that Holy Spirit, there's joy bubbling up. But we have to receive it. We have to want it. We have to accept it. We have to be aware that in these situations, when sadness and depression want to come, you get to make a choice. Am I going to be natural today or am I going to be super? Am I going to, what choice am I going to make? And sometimes you don't feel like it, and I get that. Your feelings are fickle. Your feelings, feelings were given to us as a gift from God, but Satan sure does know how to twist them, doesn't he? If I feel scared at the edge of the cliff, that is a gift from God to keep me from going too close so I don't fall down and kill myself. But if I feel scared every time I walk into Kroger because when I was five, something bad happened, Satan has now twisted my feelings into something that is tormenting me. And sometimes you have to tell your feelings, go away. 
Go to H-E-double-L, where you belong, and I am going to walk in the truth. And the truth is, I'm okay. God is with me. I can walk in peace. I can walk in joy. There's so much I can get into about what the Holy Spirit does for us. But unfortunately, my time is up. But I want you to ask the Lord to show you in moments of decision, in moments of choice, what he wants for you. Let him guide you. Father God, I ask you to bless these people. Watch over them. Be with them. I know you have filled them with your presence. I know that the Holy Spirit is with them when they accepted Christ. That was a gift from you. Whether they've unwrapped that gift and applied it to their gift, they may not realize. But I know you whisper in their ear. And I ask you to give them more moments of joy, more moments of peace, more moments of love. Help them when they're in stressful situations not to go by what the flesh wants them to do, to, to grab an extra piece of cake or to eat a second helping of dinner or to, to grab that bottle of wine or to uh, call up their in-laws and chew them out or gossip or post something negative on Facebook and to complain. But instead, Father God, show them the solution to what they're in. Show them what they can let go of and dismiss and show them what they need to bring healing into their lives with and guide them and comfort them and bring in that peace and bring in that joy and bring in that Holy Spirit wisdom. In moments when they don't know when to pray, give them your heavenly language if they seek that out and ask you for it because sometimes we don't know what to pray. Give them that for their private time. Give that to them when they're in their times of prayer and intercession. Give them your gifts and your fruits because your word says you will. And your word is true. So we're asking you for it today. I pray that in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus will cover the seed of your word that was planted in their hearts today so that it'll grow and multiply in their lives. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week. Next month, we're getting ready for Easter. So um, if you're interested, read through the book of John so you'll be kind of aware of what was happening that last week before Christ went to the cross. And don't forget, ladies, we'll be here Wednesday at uh, 11 o'clock for Bible study. God bless.